Welcome back to Talking Dads UK and in this episode I'll be speaking to Dawn Barkley. Dawn has grown up in and worked within the travel industry for many years. She's also an author and has written fiction books and the book that she's here to talk about in this episode, Travelling Different, Vacation Strategies for Parents of Anxious, the Inflexible and the Neurodiverse. And this is the travel bible for parents of children with autism spectrum disorder and or mood distraction disorders, offering helpful tips to soothe any child's travel anxieties. Dawn joins me in this episode to talk about the upcoming release of the book in August 2022. Dawn shares some of the tips, strategies and research that she's encountered in the process of writing this book. Let's hear from Dawn and crack on with the episode. Thanks for listening. So I'm joined by Dawn, Dawn Barkley who's the author of Travelling Different. And uh, hello, Dawn. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Fine. Thank you very much for having me. We've got a bit of a time difference. You're over in New York, aren't you? Yeah, right now it's uh, mid-afternoon. It's getting on for evening now over here. So um, it's just the, the weather's warmed up a little bit and I'm out in the garden in the shed and uh, it's getting a bit, a bit warm. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, we're heading, hopefully we're heading into a bit of a heat wave, so we're doing good. But um, tell me where the idea of the book, Travelling Different, comes from, and why did you decide to write it? No, great. Well, I just want to say that the full title, so people understand, is Travelling Different Vacation Strategies for uh, Parents of the Anxious, the Inflexible, and the Neurodiverse. Um, I was born into a travel family. So I've been traveling since I was two and considering I was born in the dark ages, it's been a long time. And uh, so I've been traveling internationally. I mean, I just wasn't about to give up traveling and uh, I've worked as a, an editor, like either a contributing editor or a senior editor for four major travel trade publications. Uh, so when I had children, I expected them to love to travel yeah. And they were not as fond of it as I was. They were not um, really good with transitions. They weren't good with smells and, and changes and things that I just didn't expect. Uh, they were definitely anxious and inflexible. And so I started looking for some answers because I believe that there should there's a book for any problem you have. And unfortunately, this book didn't exist, so I had to write it. So I started by interviewing um, some people who were very well known, uh, such as Dr. Tony Atwood, who's fairly well known in uh, autism circles. Dr. Ellen Littman is well known uh, in ADHD circles. Uh, Dr. Atwood is actually out of Scotland and Australia, so uh, not American, whereas Dr. Littman is. And um, then I kind of hit a wall and I didn't know where to go to write the rest or interview the rest. And it wasn't until an organization called IBCCES came out with a designation called the Certified Autism Travel Professional designation that I knew how to write the book because I knew those people had had intense training on how to work with people on the spectrum and people with invisible disabilities. Uh, and they introduced me to their parents, many their clients um, who are special needs parents, many of the uh, autism travel professionals are also special needs parents. So I got a lot of the information I needed that way. And I also you know, conducted over a hundred interviews, including um, advocates and uh, allies of the various disorders. And then I had a two-year pandemic where I couldn't leave the house. 
unlike anybody else, I had two years, I had to stay at home yeah. <laughs> and uh, I had to do something. So I wrote four books and this was one of them. Great. So you're drawing on your own personal experiences as well as quite very a lot little. of research. Not, very not little of my own, very little of mine. I mean, this is what prompted me, but this is not my story whatsoever. I mean, I have a okay. couple of anecdotes in the book, but uh, it's the, the experts that are talking, okay. not me. Okay. So if, if somebody was to get the book when it, when it's released and they're looking for the answers, um, they, they've got some difficulties, um, of their own when they plan to travel, or maybe they've only done one trip and it's put them off that kind of thing. What, um, what can they expect to find from the book? Well, actually it's interesting that you mentioned that because there was a survey done by IBCCES recently of a thousand special needs parents. And of those, 87% refuse to travel. They just won't do it. And of those, 93% would travel if they knew where to go and what to do. Okay. <laughs> so what you're going to find in the book is um, information on how to introduce the child to the concept of travel, how to prepare to the nth degree, because you can never over-prepare when you're working with children, either on or off the spectrum, um, how to plan a child-centric vacation, how to travel safely, all of this information can work as well for neurotypical children as it can for neurodiverse because every child, when they're taken out of their comfort zone, becomes anxious and inflexible, which is why I titled it the way I did. Yeah. Uh, so those travel tips work for everyone. I've broken it up by method of uh, mode of transportation. So you've got air, car, bus, train, cruise, um, then where to stay including camping, houseboats, as well as vacation rentals and hotels, and then types of tours that you might take or venues you might visit, special interest venues, um, and then a list of uh, resources at the end. So it's very much broken down into each category of, yeah. if, if you're planning a road trip, then this is what we're saying you should do and, and, and or you can do and if you're planning to camp or stay in a hotel, these are the other areas as well. That right. would be very helpful specifically to say, we're traveling by train and we're going to camp. Yeah. So I really felt that no one was going to read this from beginning to end. Uh, so yeah, you can pick and choose what you want to read. You probably want to read the first several chapters just to know how to introduce the child to travel, but then you're, you know, how you're getting there, where you're staying and what you're doing when you get there. So if we were speaking to one of the families that, that from your research that says that they definitely wouldn't travel or as my example, that they might have tried it once and it was a bit of a failure and they thought we're not doing that again. What would be the tips that you would, you know, firsthand just just throw out there and, and, and give to me if you, if you could? I know it's got to be specific around that child, but. That's true. Yeah. Every child is different. And in the 344 pages of the book, I would say that the overriding tips are to give yourself a break because everything's going to be trial and error. The idea is to, if you put these techniques and there's always backup plans, because every, like you said, every child is different. So I don't list just one technique, but if this doesn't work, maybe this will, um, that if you use the preparation and, um, making the unfamiliar familiar to the child, then you'll ward off a lot of the tantrums because the reason most families won't travel is because they're afraid that their child will have a sensory meltdown and then 
people will judge them. They'll judge them as bad parents. The child is a brat when none of that is true. And they're so frightened about what people will think instead of realizing that this is a big world and you're entitled to see it no matter who you are or what disorder your child might have. Um, and there are ways to work with it. So I taught, I teach how to start small and that can be buying picture books that the child that the child will read or look at that features their favorite characters and travel situations, or it might be um, role play, or it might be uh, watching videos of any part or all parts of the trip you're about to take because of technology that's all available. Because what you want to do, children crave routine and familiarity, and there's nothing that'll drag them out of their comfort zone more than travel because all of it's unfamiliar. So you want to create some predictability and some positive frame of reference for them. So when you're seeing the video, you're saying, this is where, this is what the airport's going to be like. This is what the plane is going to be like. This is what check-in at the hotel is going to be like. So that all of it's familiar and they recognize it when they get there. And that's why it's important to think the whole thing through from beginning to end. So there, you can always plan for anything that might come up that could be a trigger for the child. Um, and I also believe in creating many experiences in advance. So before you go to a hotel and spend thousands to stay in a strange place, why not take the child to a friend's house or a relative's house for one night and have them experience sleeping in a bedroom that's not theirs because that's where you're gonna see the triggers that'll arise. Maybe they need their own blankets and sheets from home with the familiar texture and scent and don't wash them ahead of time because you want the scent that they're used to. Some parents say don't wash the clothes before the trip so that it smells like from home. Um, or, and you'll know whether the child needs say a nightlight or a fan to uh, drown out the noise from the hallway uh, or the toiletries that they're used to from home. So you're gonna know that in advance because you did a sample trip. You know, Before you take a long road trip across the country, maybe take a short one. Before you take a rail trip around the country, maybe take a commuter line. You, know, you can go from London to Brighton, which is something I've done many times in my life. Um, so, all these things you can do, you know, go to a local zoo or an aquarium before you take a sightseeing tour or even go to um, a garage. Do you have garage sales in England? Yeah, the equivalent of, I suppose, would be a car boot sale. OK, that's exactly what it is. So fine. Yeah. Um, or, or a flea market, which I know you have. Yeah. Uh, so um, because you can call it a scavenger hunt and you can always frame it as a tour. So later, if the child's had a good time, when you're going on a real trip, you could say, oh, we're going to go on a tour. Remember the tour you took to the garage boot sale yeah. <laughs> or the car boot sale. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So those are examples of sort of mini experiences that you can experience with the child in advance. So we, we are sort of talking very much preparation and building up to a planned holiday that might be like it might be the only holiday you've got that year it might be your major getaway and you're really going to have to start a few months in advance starting preparing um which i, I think is, is quite good um, preparation for any child really isn't it especially with youtube and, and and the power of google nowadays you can google anywhere you're going to visit and there will be plenty of pictures and videos of that place won't there yeah and you also want to give the child some buy-in 
you want to give people control over their circumstances. So maybe you say, we're going to go away this year. Here's a choice of three places. Which do you think you'd like to go to? Of course, you've pre-approved all these things. So there's no wrong answer. Uh, and you can do that with the things you're going to do every day as well. Get their buy-in, have them pick the clothes they're bringing, have them pick the toys they're bringing along, give them a backpack if they're able to carry it with the things they want to carry with them all the time. Um, because once you've got buy-in, then they've got a vested interest in the success of a trip. And, and you also want to pace it for their for what they're able to deal with. So I know so many parents who still try to squeeze in six, you know, five or six things a day because that's what they would have done before they had kids. Maybe one or two things a day and spend the rest of the day by the pool or in front of the television. It might not be the trip you were planning, but it's the trip that's going to make the child happy. And when the child's happy, you're going to have a good time. If the child's miserable the whole time, you have not created the memories that you wanted to create. Yeah, would would you um or have you come across much research with, with the people you've spoken to about different ages of children as well? So for, for my example, I've got a six year old and I've got an 18 month old, their needs are very different. And on holiday, their needs would be very different as particularly travel wise. Yeah. It, it's harder when you have a baby. Um, yeah. but then again, the baby's not going to have necessarily a lot of specific interests that you have to be concerned with. Whereas the six-year-old absolutely is. Yeah. So does your six-year-old have any sort of great interests or passions? He has many. <laughs> okay. What's maybe but, one of them? If, yeah. Um, football dinosaurs. Oh, dinosaurs. Perfect. Yep. So what I did in the book is I took because children on the spectrum have these specified interests, but really all children do. Yeah. Um, I took all the special interests I could think of or that parents gave me and I broke them up at the end. So if you love dinosaurs, here are places around the country where you could see dinosaurs. So you can build the trip around something that your child will enjoy. And that makes the more mundane parts of the trip easier to deal with because they're looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we just had the one, one child and he would have been about two and we actually it, it was our honeymoon which we used as a family moon and we came over to uh, the states and, and we did a couple of stops and um, it was one big adventure for us and even though he was quite young he, re he responded to it really well and um, he enjoyed it and it was fun you know we we did a lot of internal flights as well more than we would ever normally do traveling in Europe um it was my first experience of it as well but my wife had been to america before you know we used a lot of the little coloring books and and the sticker book sticker books you can get for planes where you can stick on the windows and repeal it and take it with you and you can reuse it on the next plane or train or wherever you are and mm -hmm. we used a lot of little things like that and he had his own little bag which had his own little things in it and we we, we made it like that for him and it and it was quite a success when look back in our, look back on it now but I don't know if I would try that at the moment with the youngest one, maybe when he's older. <laughs> you know, you did a lot of the right things. Um, every chapter includes a go-to bag, which is going to include things that your children really need. Uh, for children on the spectrum, they include fidget toys, noise-canceling headphones, always uh, perhaps dark glasses, which you're also always going to want to take to amusement parks, even at night with the bright lights yeah. um, and their favorite foods but always electronics with their favorite television shows and movies because that keeps them distracted. Would you recall a sort of most common struggle or 
a most common problem that parents found? Other than worrying about what people were thinking of them, if they're, I mean, people really concerned about the child losing it and yeah. having a sensory meltdown. And that's why it's so great that now there are more and more places that are certified autism centers, or they are being uh, labeled as autism friendly. And there are some in the UK, I, I have to be honest, most of what I've got in the book for destinations, which is maybe 15 or 20% of the book is based in the States. But of the other places, I would say that the UK and Canada are the most advanced. And I mean, Britain might be far more advanced than the US in attitudes toward special needs, to be honest with you. Um, there was some camping places I listed in the UK as well. And I hope to do an international uh, version that would have more in the UK. But this is great for people in the UK who are coming to America. Um, but also, yeah. um, it's one of the things they were worrying about to get back to your question <laughs> is your show uh, is uh, what do I do with I if I bring in one child that's neurotypical and one child that's neurodiverse and you know that is an issue and some of the things that I found have worked is um, going to resorts that have kids club that cater to both cruises also give you enough diverse diversity in what they're offering. And, and the major cruise lines um, have training in working with people on the spectrum. So that's another uh, way to be able, everybody to do their own thing. And you get to have some time with your partner so you can have some private time, Okay. Yeah. Um, but also sports vacations. So golf, golf is very therapeutic. So is skiing. So is scuba, which was surprising to me dude ranches with horseback riding. Um, and what I just learned about um, is adaptive surfing, oh, which wow. is something I would have never, I'm going to be writing a story on that. Um, but those are, individual sports are very therapeutic for people with special needs because they don't have to deal with people. They're working on, they're working on perfecting their own technique as opposed to dealing with the social aspects of being on a team. Yeah but everybody can be perfecting their technique. And I think neurotypical kids will love to do all those things too. So that's one way to combine. Families with children will be looking at these areas probably quite, quite a lot in advance. They will be planning their, their, their whole trip around what activities they might do, or it might be a specific sports type holiday that they would be looking for. So they would have, all of these things in mind when they're looking for planning that holiday out. Well, I'd also like to say that if, if it seems a little overwhelming to plan it out, these certified autism travel professionals can always help you. And there's a list of all of them in the book and also how to access ones that I didn't interview. Okay. Uh, but they're trained in how to work with not only people on the spectrum, but also just regular neurotypical kids as well. And they'll be able to plan out every aspect of your vacation. And even if you're not in the same country, they can still work with you. Oh, okay. uh, and That's there is such a wonderful thing as email and Zoom, and they can work yeah. with you no matter where they are. Okay. That's interesting. I wasn't sure if that would cross over um, quite as easily, yeah. but. Yeah, they can book you wherever. Oh, that's great. That'd be really, really handy. <laughs> I mean, just off the top of my head, we've got the National Autism Society, um, which is our main one over here, I think. 
um, or the, the, the most well-known, but there will be mm -hmm. lots of others. So, I mean, if you were specifically looking over here, um, the UK domestic holiday type type of thing, for specific attractions and places that cater to, to, um, to autism, then check them kind of websites out maybe. But have you... Yeah seen other resort resource sites that that people can check out that, that would maybe cross over like you've just said yeah well i really think that your autism society is terrific uh really well stocked with information um there's something called autismtravel.com here in the states that um lists the locations that are certified autism centers and they do have some international ones as well what i've done in the book is combined those with those that are not certified necessarily by IVCCES, but also call themselves autism friendly. So it's a more comprehensive list. But what you have to be very careful of, no matter where you go, is to find out if somebody says they're autism friendly, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Yeah. And you should make sure that it's going to work for you and for your child and find out how they got their designation, what they offer, make sure that when they offer it, because it might not be when you're there. I mean, there's some museums that have a sensory afternoon, one Saturday a month, and that might not be the Saturday you're in town. So I urge everyone to do their due diligence just because I put something in a book. I found that addresses change, phone numbers change, hours change. So be sure to check everything I've written to see if it's changed. Thank you for listening to Talking Dad UK. You can keep updated on all things dad by checking out our website, www.talkingdaduk.com Also launching the new Patreon page where you can join the paid tier Talking Dads Club. It's £3 a month. It helps offset some of the costs of podcasting and ensures that we can keep this ongoing resource library available for all. All the links will be in the show notes. Thanks for listening and back to the episode. Uh, is, there, is there anything you, you want to, um, to, to cover that we haven't? Break it down. Just think when I leave the house what is going to happen? Like, how am I going to handle the car ride to uh, the airport? How am I going to handle the airport check-in? Um, getting on the plane, are we going to go on first or last? And I have everybody's opinions on that. Um, it, are we going to have to take a bus from the airport to our hotel when we arrive? And how are we going to handle that? So really, you have to just break it down and figure out where the triggers are going to lie and how you're going to handle it again it's it's specific to your family and your child isn't it really of course yeah um, we can we can list off a large amount of tips but a couple of them might only apply to you and your family so right i like to think of the book as a checklist yeah. of all the things you might not have thought of and now you know what to think about and what to consider before you go and what isn't in the book um is covered in the blog called travelingdifferent.com on there, I put some original content, uh, stories that I were not in the book or have come since. I also cover on social media like Twitter and um, Facebook. I list any stories that I come across with new things that are happening so that there's a central repository of information for you. So um, also where I'm appearing is on the blog, you know, on my site. Not that your people are necessarily going to be there, though I might be in London at the end of September. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but not necessarily to speak. Um, 
yeah, so there's a lot of important information on there if people go to, and, and also you'll find my email address. So if you've encountered something that you'd like to share with me, maybe a strategy that I didn't include or a, a location that you think is really good for people or children or people on the spectrum or with invisible disabilities, let me know. That would be terrific. And also ask your local library to stock the book so people who can't afford it can have access to it. I, I do include where you can buy the book. It'll be available August 15th. It'll be available in hardcover, audiobook, and ebook, and um, can be purchased all over the place. <laughs> have you got have you got anything to anything to close on or are you happy with? Yeah, I really like British panel shows. So if anybody knows David Mitchell, have him call me. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> I wish I was in a position to know him, but no, unfortunately yeah, I, not. I, I want to catch uh, Upstart Crow when I come at the end of September. So, um, yeah, I really love what I lied to you. I, I One of the things that got me through the um, pandemic, other than writing books, were all the British panel shows. So we know all your comedians now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> right, Dawn, it's been, uh, it's been really nice talking to you. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on and telling us where we can find all of this information, which is very useful to everyone. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot.